God has given us promise. He says, I'm going away to prepare a place. And if I go to prepare that place, I will come again for you. That where I am, you may be also. When we live with that expectation, when we begin to see ourselves becoming weary, we got to keep the finish line in mind. Because the finish line is our reward for keeping the faith and staying the course. Pastor Martin is inside of a sermon series, and today's message is Faithful to the End. That comes from Hebrew chapter 11, verses 5 through 7. Let's listen as Pastor Martin explains. So as we've been looking at this, we've looked back and we've seen the conditions that, that scripture helps to describe for us. And then we've taken that and taken a look at what Paul spoke about what would take place in the last days. And we've, we've drawn the parallel and the correlation between what Jesus declared and what the apostle Paul helped us understand as well. Now, before I go further today, I want to make it clear that because Jesus declared that things would be as they are, it wasn't that he was making a statement and therefore this is how it had to be. He was actually giving forewarning of what he already knew would be. And it's important to understand it because you may take the impression that Jesus was basically saying, hey, that things are just going to be worse and they're going to get worse because I said they're going to get worse. And that's not the case. Because what happens is what's been happening since we go back to Noah is every generation has been progressively getting further and further away from God. So when we go back, we see that we start with Adam and Eve and then they sinned and then each generation got further and further away. And then God says, I'm going to judge the world. Thus, the flood came in. And then you have Noah and his children and his sons and his, his daughter-in-laws and his wife. And they were charged with now setting the tone for mankind. And then ultimately, things just progressively got worse again. Now, we say, when we say that we are in the last of the last days, because from the standpoint in which Jesus came, he begins speaking of last days. And when we talk about the last of the last days, we have to understand that one of the things that we see that is common today is the speed of the progression away from God. Okay, if you understand psychology or sociology, you understand that it usually takes time for change to take place. And major change takes a lot of time. But as you'll know that in our day, things are progressing very quickly. The idea of progressivism has, is at a speed that is unprecedented in all of history. Things that were once considered wrong can within a blink seemingly be accepted as right. Whereas it took time and the progression and you had to get everyone on board Ultimately, now we seem to grasp or quickly grab hold to things that don't necessarily align themselves with Scripture. Great ships are designed and built in specialized facilities that are called either shipyards or dockyards. 
usually that's a place that's right there on the water or in close proximity to the water. These places are strategically placed near the water in order to ceremonially launch, once the ship is done, there's a ceremonial launch and then it's launched off into the waters. However, God told Noah to build a very large ship inland a great distance from any major body of water. But here's the thing. He told him to do this, but he did not need to concern himself with how he was going to get on the water because the water was going to come to him in the way of a great flood. This was a great act of faith. Think about this. To be building a ship and you're not near the ocean. To be building a ship with no means to be able to get it from where it is to the nearest body of water. It was a great act of faith. But I would say that it was also an even greater endeavor of trust. Because he had to trust in what God had said. As Noah would, would, would have spent years building while trusting and trusting while building. Because think about this. How many times have you set out to do something for the Lord? And you have an idea of how it's going to turn out. And you think, man, I'm going to go and it's going to go like this. It's going to happen. And then weeks pass. Months pass. Years pass. And you start to ask the question, should I keep it going? Or should I stop? So Noah would have had to build and trust and trust while still yet building. Although it's not clear when his confidence would have been fulfilled, this idea because he's building and and this is a massive. God gave him these dimensions and these are dimensions of a cruise ship. So he's not sure when he's going to finish. But yet he continued to trust what God said. Being assured and being reassured that the one who had played, that he had placed his trust in was worthy of that trust. It's important for us to understand that as we put our confidence in God, when you look around and you think about the nature of things surrounding us, it can become very difficult to say, hey, I will continue to go and trust though no one follows. Though things seem to be worsening, I'll hold fast to what God has said. Noah remained faithful until the end. He didn't go a certain distance and stop. He continued until he completed what God has said. And what he's done for us is set forth an example for us. That we too must remain faithful until the end. 
And the fact that we can begin to see that the end is drawing near, it should not discourage me. It should encourage me because my faith is renewed in the fact that Jesus told me he's going to take care of me. And he gave me markers to be able to gauge his soon return. Because last week we talked about the great apostasy that the Apostle Paul speaks of. He speaks of, of the, those that will depart from the faith in the last days. He speaks of the, there being a falling away in the last days. Something that you can Google and you can confirm, I'll share this with you. Because one of the places in which Christianity expanded and grew, uh, grew uh, fastest was in Europe. If you Google now, you'll find that in many cases, the various denominations and Christian populations in Europe have only single digit church attendance. You say, you might say, well, pastor, well, that doesn't necessarily mean that they've given up faith. Wait a minute, though. If I am coming to gather, as, as Pastor Lara said, we've come to, to this place for one express reason, that is to exalt him. That's right, that's right. Then I go to exalt him because my busy schedule sometimes causes me to forget. See, the time that is set aside each week that I don't forget to come and exalt him. Here's what the psalmist said. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And then Jesus said this in the same sermon there in Matthew 24. He said, he, she, they who endure to the end will be saved. So there's a need. He expressed this need for us to endure in faith. Paul says, fight the good fight of faith. And here's what he says. He says, lay hold on eternal life. The reality that we must all live, we must not live in the present, but we must live here in expectation of what lies ahead. And then the writer of Hebrews echoes what Jesus had to say. And there's some passages here that I want you to hear in Hebrews chapter 10. So we're in Hebrews 11 and we all, many of us have heard this being referred to as the Faith Hall of Fame chapter 11. But in chapter 10, right before he transitions into chapter 11, he actually says that we should make, make sure or be sure to not cast off our confidence and faith. Hebrews 10 and verse 35, I want to read these four verses for you, uh, verses 30, 35, 36, 37, 38, 39, that's five verses. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you will receive the promise. Verse 37, for yet a little while and he who is coming will come 
and will not tarry. Verse 38. Now the just, that is those who have been justified by faith in Jesus Christ, the just shall live by that same faith. But here's the key. But if anyone draws back, says my soul will have no pleasure in him. Think in terms of Lot's wife. Remember God says, Lot, get yourself and your family out of Sodom and Gomorrah. I'm getting ready to destroy it. And he gives them a rescue. He gives them salvation. And here's what happened. Lot's family, they're going, they're leaving. And just as they're heading out, Lot's wife looks back. Because he says, if you draw back, he says, I don't have pleasure in that. We must endure. Verse 39, but we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. Good to see you, Brother Curly. Bless you, sir. Good to have you with us today. Amen. So here's the reality we face is that God has given us promise. He says, I'm going away to prepare a place. And if I go to prepare that place, I will come again for you. That where I am, you may be also. When we live with that expectation, when we begin to see ourselves becoming weary, we gotta keep the finish line in mind. Let me help you understand something. So I'm watching. I, I went to some years ago. My cousin was 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 uh, participating in track and field. And I went to. Watch and it was a middle school uh, a meet happening before their meet. And, and there was a four by one hundred. No, a four by four. One full lap Four individuals running one full lap. So this team, this particular team, the young ladies, they were the, the first girl she took off. She was doing the best she could, but she fell behind. And then the, the second person in the leg, she fell further behind. And so the one, the last, the girl who was the last one, she was jumping up and down, said, come on, come on, come on. So the third person made up some ground, but still they were behind. So when it finally came to that fourth young lady, Boy, she took off with all she had. Now, you got to remember, it's a full lap. You can't give it all in the first curve. So she took off and she's wide open. She got to that second curve and she was still going, but she was a, a little bit slower. She got to the back stretch and she was jogging. She got to the third curve and she was just walking. By the time she made to the fourth, she had just stopped. She had run out of gas. But what her teammates did was they went and stood at the finish line and they began to yell to her, you've got to finish the race. So as she was wearied and worn down, when she lifted up her eyes and saw them at the finish line, something stirred in her and she had strength to run a little bit further. And I'm saying to you that ultimately you may get weary and well doing, but you got to get the finish line in mind. 
Because when you keep the finish line in mind, you'll feel inspired to keep on enduring until he comes. That leads us to our first point for the day. Noah believed what God said. It's just simple. Noah believed what God said because we find when we, when we hear in our text today, it says he was divinely warned and he was of the things yet to come. God said, this is what's getting ready to happen. He had no evidence, but he believed. And he began to do based upon what God said. Here's what he did in Genesis. Genesis chapter 6 and verse 11 says that, then the earth also was corrupt before God and the earth was filled with violence. So God looked upon the earth and indeed it was corrupt for all flesh had corrupted their way on, on the earth. Verse 13, and God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me. For the earth is filled with violence through them and behold, I will destroy them on earth. That's all he has. And he sets out and begins to build an ark based solely upon what God said. Because, and if you would just note this, it was his relationship with God that gave him this confidence. See, in a day and age where we oftentimes might neglect our relationship with God, Understand, that's how we maintain our confidence in him. Because as we get to know, the more we know, the more confident we are. The more confidence we build, the more we want to believe and trust. So we have to make sure that we maintain and continue to cultivate our relationship with him in a world that is getting further from him. Here's something to note and keep in mind. The Bible says that Noah found grace in God's sight because even though the earth was filled with violence and corrupt, it says he walked with the Lord. He did not follow the patterns of the day. He continued to walk with the Lord. Anyone remember that old song, walk with me, Lord, walk with me, walk with me, Lord. The, that song speaks of, Lord, stay there with me. But the question is not whether he's going to stay with us. It should be reversed. Me walk with you, Jesus. Me walk with you. Because he says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. But it is us who begin to kind of say, hey, I'm going to go try this a little bit. And we go looking for other means to find love. So Noah found grace because he walked with the Lord. So now given Noah's example of this continual walking with God, despite the worldwide corruption that he, he, he was seeing around him, we have this need for us to continue to cultivate our relationship with him. Yes, life gets busy. Yes, we can find so many distractions. Do you realize you can barely watch a program without seeing some sinful agenda being put forth? 
we were watching uh, a program, the kids were watching a program, a movie on Disney. And, and right in the heart of it, it wasn't even necessary. There was a scene in which there was something happening and the police officer that arrived was a female. And just right in the heart of that, just in, the, in this scene that does not need this in there, says, oh, my girlfriend's children in a kid's video. Continuing to be bombarded with the ideas that are against scripture. But here's the thing, if we're going to believe God, and please note this, faith has corresponding actions that follow. What you believe will have actions that follow that. Because it says, God warned Noah, he believed what God said, and then it says he was moved or he moved with godly fear. Godly fear. So I want to talk about that just for a minute, if you would. Give me a few moments to talk about godly fear. Because oftentimes we don't see godly fear being exhibited or being understood in our society. The fear of God may refer to fear itself. Yes, absolutely. But more often it is this sense that we have of awe of him. And this need for us to submit to him and what he would desire. It means living in such a way that we have reverence for him, but also that what we understand about him greatly impacts how we live our lives. That's godly fear. Noah heard God and he moved with that. Now, there's four things I want you to know that, that will be when you, if you're, if you're trying to understand what godly fear is, there's four things that will be, a, be, be uh, evident when there's godly fear. First one would be, first, you have respect or honor for God. Just respect and honor for him. That you're careful of how you approach him, but also how you represent him. The next one Godly fear will have obedience. You'll obey him. Because Noah, God said, build the ark. Noah moved with godly fear and he honored what God said. And then he began building. The next thing you see when, you talk, when we talk about godly fear, you'll see a sense of submitting to him. Jesus in the Garden of Eden, I mean, I'm sorry, not Garden of Eden, but in the Garden of Gethsemane, he says, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will I submit to what you say, Father. And then the last thing would be worshiping of him with a sense of awe. My God, who am I that you would be concerned about me and love me like you do? So we see respect, we're gonna submit, we will obey, and then we'll, we'll live with this sense of awe of who he is. So now, when we see Noah, he did what God asked him to do. I, I've, I've asked several people to help me. So would you guys begin making your way to the stage? Because 
God asked Noah to do something, and he did what God asked. Because in Genesis chapter 6 and 22, we see him, it says, Thus Noah did according to all that God commanded him. In verse 7, uh, verse 5 of chapter 7, it says, And Noah did according to all the Lord commanded him to do. So God asked Noah to do something, and Noah did what God asked, but here's what he also did. He achieved the work that God gave him. Because having heard from God, Noah got busy doing, yes, yes, the team is assembling. Two more. Because here's the thing that James tells us. He says, oh, foolish man, don't you know faith without works, faith without doing something is dead? God told Noah and Noah responded. Amen. Look at this team we have. Give them a hand. Thank you. Would you put these on, please? 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 And would you put these on, please? Now, the first thing I want you to observe is that I asked them to do something and they had to cooperate with what I asked them to do. I said, would you put these on, please? And each one put them on. The next thing I want you, would, would y'all hold your hands up like this? The next thing I want you to observe is that they all have work gloves. Because that when you put on work gloves, you are demonstrating that you have some work to do. And here's the last one. I want you to observe that each one got their own pair of gloves. Because God has purpose that everyone in the body of Christ has some work to do. And he's got some gloves that fits each one of them. And he says, when you believe and you put your confidence in me, I will move you to action to do something in my kingdom. God bless you all, thank you. Keep the gloves. You got work to do. Because here's what the apostle Paul says, and hear this carefully. In Ephesians chapter two, verse 10, he says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in. There's things that God assigned to your hand to do for you to serve in his kingdom, for you to get busy doing, particularly knowing that the days are drawing near and the time is drawing short, that we must work while it's day. Because Jesus says, night is coming when no one can work. The New Living Translation says it like this, for we are God's masterpiece. Yeah. 
and he has created us anew in Christ so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Noah heard what God said, the end is coming, and he was moved to action. So ask this question again. What is God moving you to action knowing that the days are drawing short before Christ returns? That leads me to point number two. Faith is the first step, but trust is the journey. Faith is the first step, but trust is the journey because as, Mo, as, as Noah stepped out into what God told him to do, he had to journey along and trust him because it took some time to build that ark. So faith would have had him to go collect the wood, start to get his tools together. But trust would cause him every day to get up and keep building. It is in trust that we continue in the journey because we believe and therefore we move by faith to do what God has charged us with doing. Which leads us to our third and final point for the day. Faith uncultivated will fade. Faith uncultivated will fade. My wife, she, uh, she has great aspirations to be a gardener. And notice I said aspirations. Multiple times in our years, and praise God, we celebrated our anniversary this week. Amen? Amen. Praise God. It's multiple times in the course of our marriage, I found myself with her collecting all the things we need to put a garden out. And then I'm, we're out there, we're told, we're, we're turning dirt over and we're getting the area set up and we, she's online and she's getting everything. And then we get out there and we get, at the, get the seeds in and things start growing up. And as days go on, she hadn't been out there in days. And then she remembers that she goes out there and then, oh, the bugs are starting to take it over. So now we're off to, to the store to get something because we see online, if you spray them all with this, the bugs will go away. And then we see that the squirrels have gotten over, so we've got to put something around and we're doing all these things. But ultimately, it shows us that unless you're there cultivating the garden, eventually, the work you started starts to fade out. So faith uncultivated begins to fade. Jesus says this in Luke chapter 18. He says, men ought to always pray and not faint. But then as he gets down to verse number eight, he says, I tell you that when, won't God avenge? God will do everything he promised he would do. But then Jesus asks a question, he says, Will the Son of Man find faith when he returns? 
He says, will, will he find us being faithful? When Jesus comes back, will he find us being faithful? Because we've cultivated and maintained and stirred and continued to, to take good care of that which we've entrusted to him. So the question I ask today, will he find you faithful? When he comes, will he find you faithfully engaged in what he's given you to do? Because here's what Jude says, because the challenge we have is to remain faithful until he comes. In Jude verses 20 and 21, he says this, but Praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternity. He says, continue to keep ourselves in that love that we have for God, that fervor, that zeal we have for him. And the fervor and zeal we have for loving others, because you know when you serve, you are exhibiting your love for others. Because you are saying, I'm serving God's kingdom and God's kingdom is for people. And as I serve in his kingdom, I'm serving people. I'm serving my, the expectation that God has for me to love neighbors as I love myself. One last note for the day. Noah believed what God said and he continually renewed his confidence in what God said. See, studying, coming, being a part, one of the times that I found myself when I'm discouraged, one of the things I find so much energy and power in is in helping someone else, being a blessing to someone. Because there's something renewing about I'm serving the great God who's charged me with loving others. The statement that says we're blessed to be a blessing. Many of us, God has blessed us in many ways. He's given us great opportunities. He's opened great doors for us. So the question then becomes, what shall I render unto God for all of his benefits to me? Noah, all he had was God's word. But today we have even more. We have a greater witness because we have God's word and God's demonstrated love through Jesus Christ. A far greater witness than what Noah had and it moved him to strive and be faithful until he completed what God gave him to do. And having a far greater witness of Jesus being willing to do all that it took because he didn't stop short of completing his assignment because he gave us this example while he's on the cross and he's just moments before death and he recalls the fact that one of prophecies about him has not been fulfilled and he says, I thirst. I want you to hear this because here's a man who's, who's, who's just moments from death being thirsty, we drink water to stay alive, right? We, we, we hydrate ourselves to stay alive. He's getting ready to give up the ghost. And yet he says, I thirst. 
because they had not given him sour grapes to drink yet. So when he says, I thirst, they do that. And after they're done, he says, it is finished. What is your it is finished? That wraps up another awesome word. If you're in need of prayer, counsel, or if we can assist in any way, please don't hesitate to ask. If you would like to join, contact us or receive these and other sermon notes, visit us at amitybc.org. Until next week, be blessed.